0: Welcome to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm Dave Wakeman, your host. This is my podcast where I have an opportunity to speak to leaders and thinkers about how to market and sell experiences, be that in sports, entertainment, the theater, or the performing arts. My guest today is Martin Gambletoff, VP of Commercial Activities with ActivityStreet. Martin is on the episode today so that I can talk to him about how we can really turn AI and big data into actionable insights that actually generate money that actually enhance the consumer experience and that actually are meaningful I think you'll enjoy the conversation I have with Martin because I I found that about halfway through, we really got into some really, really interesting insights and examples that I think you can take some stuff from and actually apply it to your own career and your own organization. So I'd like to welcome Martin to the show. I'd like to welcome Martin Gamble from Activity Stream to the show today. Martin, thanks for being here. Thanks for- I wanted to have you on because I know that you and I have had several conversations about the way that we can turn data into actionable insights, and I thought it would be really uh, informative for all of my audience. So let me start out by asking you a question specifically about where technology is in relation to how we can effectively use data. Um, from my understanding, the the data and the technology that we have access to has advanced so far that it has made it almost um Easier for people to use data and artificial intelligence to make decisions than it does not to. Um, can you give my audience a brief overview of the state of AI and big data in relations
1: to getting people into their venues? Yeah, of course, I'd, I'd be happy to. I mean, um, it's uh, yeah, as you saw, a lot of a lot of technology uh, or a lot of advances have been made in technology in recent years, enabling you can say. Even mid-sized organizations to benefit from some of these things that were previously only possible for the biggest. Like, yeah. So, if you're the L.A. Lakers, you might have the money to invest in a big custom data warehouse project and set up custom uh, visualizations and 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 business logic. But for the mid-sized venue or the mid-sized sports organization, that just wasn't possible. But now, as technology is becoming uh, so much cheaper and so much more um, potent, I would say. I mean, that means that, that even mid-sized organizations can, can reap the benefits. Um, so, yeah, so for instance, I mean, just just having, having analytics be done in real time, connect, collecting and connecting data across different platforms would have been completely impossible just three or four years ago but is now being done uh, in a lot of organizations and, and spanning a lot of different systems and platforms.
0: Yeah, and you talked about connecting data points. And one of the things that I imagine from, and when we talked offline before, you talked about, about connecting dots, right? And how, what does that look like for maybe a small or mid-sized venue or even for a bigger one in that matter, but you know, primarily for some of these people who are maybe just starting out?
1: Yes, yeah, so I, mean, I mean, let's take one step back and say, well, historically, most organizations have been looking at their data completely siloed. So you'd be looking at, for instance, your ticketing data, and that would be, uh, you'd be looking at reports or even dashboards from historically, typically, your ticketing platform. So you would be looking at that dimension, and obviously, you would, you would learn some things from that in terms of sales and pricing and so on. But now, as as we make it possible to connect dots from or connect data points across the systems, you you sort of unlock a lot of new possible insights. So one of my favorite examples, and it's really easy to understand, is that so historically you would you would be looking you would be doing a Facebook campaign. So you put in a thousand dollars in in the Facebook campaign, and you sell. Let's say, 2,000 dollars worth of tickets off that campaign, which you can see in Facebook. Um, so historically, people would say, "Hey, that was a great campaign." But now as you, as you match uh, data points and, and, and you see, OK, so in real time, I'm, I'm looking at who are these peop- who are these people that are interacting with my Facebook campaign? Like, who are they to me? Like obviously Facebook will know who they are to Facebook, but they won't have a clue whether they're a new customer or a very loyal customer to you. So just from connecting those dots, you can, suddenly you can get a new metric that goes on that says, am I actually building reach when I'm doing paid media campaigns? Because that's, what you, that's basically what you're looking at, uh, looking to do.
0: No, that's, that's a great insight. And that means, to me at least, it means that you've kind of taken a leap from just having data which because everybody throws around data to having something that would be more akin to rich data, Um, or maybe I'm overstating that, but it it seems that, you know, most of the data that we use or that people throw around is kind of blind data, dumb data. And this seems like sort of smart data. Um, Or am I, am I overstating that?
1: there, There are so many terms. I mean, we could spend the whole podcast just going through those terms, but, but yeah, I think, I think data in context is really what this is about. Um, it's about how you're interpreting, inter- interpreting this and seeing it in context with what is happening in other, uh, in other platforms and, and other data silos, uh, historic, typically historic, uh, data silos in the organization. Um, another great example would be like, I, I, I tend to get the question like, okay, so ticket scanning data, people go like, that, historically that has been completely just ignored. Um, and people go like, okay, so why why would that be useful? I go like, well, if you're looking at a if you're looking at a sports club and uh, you're selling out, let's say you're selling out every game, uh, which is the case in a, a lot of big top tier sports clubs, um, just sort of segmenting your your audience your fans into early arrivals and late arrivals, uh, because the late arrivals represent a huge Potential uh, revenue source if you can over time sort of change their behavior, but if you're not looking into your scanning data and matching it to customers, you have no idea. You, you can't sort of you can't sort of tag people from as being late arrivals. But the late arrivals, I mean, you can't really sell them more tickets. But what you can do is continuously tell them about all the amazing stuff that goes on in the stadium in the last hour leading up to the game or something. And I mean, if you can just have 5% of that group come in half an hour or an hour before the game and play some money in, in, in the stadium, that's a huge new revenue source.
0: Right, and let me ask you this, because what it sounds like to me is that when you're talking about being able to target so specifically, you would have the opportunity also to reach out to those people in advance, maybe and survey them or Um, find out why it is that they're coming in late so that you can adjust your marketing your your whole experience in a way that will bring those people in because to me it seems like if you have opened your doors two hours earlier and the building's sitting there empty it's a wasted opportunity it's a missed opportunity so in some ways at least to me it sounds like better resource allocation as well besides just decision making
1: yeah definitely and and it's just you open like you, you I'd say you open new segments or new angles to look at your customer base or your fan base. Um, because just knowing, just knowing these things on an individual level and uh, it could also be that you're looking to say, okay, over the season, who, who are the people that arrive late at my games? Are they, are they uh, first time, uh, first time visitors? Then I might be, my information to first time visitors might be too bad because they tend to scan their ticket well into the game or is it actually my local audience or is it my, the fans coming from far away? Like who are the different segments and, and, and how should I, that reflect on my, on, on my information? So yeah. it also have a, an aspect of customer experience. I know it's, it's typically you're looking at new revenue streams, but it might also just be simple customer experience.
0: Well, and at least my philosophy has always been that if you are increasing the customer experience, then most of the times you're able to monetize that more effectively than if you just worry about the monetization as an end-all be-all. Now, what it sounds like to me, though, and this is um, maybe I'm being naive here, but is that the data has advanced so much that anybody should be able to use this these kind of tools right I know that you kind of have are working on a tool that maybe creates the ability to use AI at scale I also know that the, the, you know depending on what sector and what industry you're in data is moving much faster in some areas than others um, and I know that specifically from working in tickets a lot that probably AI and some of the big data tools are moving much more fast much faster than the tools and ticketing or email or some of the other areas that we traditionally associate with big data is happening. Now, how would you explain it to somebody who maybe has a little apprehension about this? Like, how can you overcome the fear to understand like, Hey, let me take a, a dip a toe and take a like an easy first step into using AI or big data to be, you know, to further my insights or to create a better connection with my audience.
1: Mm. I, um, I sort of have a, have the philosophy that that the you can say the solution provider should worry about the technology, uh, the user shouldn't. So whether we're using cluster analysis, machine learning, AI, uh, or a simple pattern recognition, um, it shouldn't really uh, it shouldn't really affect the user. I mean, we're, we're working, um, I'd say 50% on <laughs> on the advanced technology, and we're working 50% on, on sort of lowering the barrier to using that technology. I mean, we, we all, we all remember, remember when the first iPhone came out, and there was just this big home button, and you were used to sort of having all these different uh, buttons to push, and you needed to know the, the menus and everything. I mean, I just remember my, my dad, who's now 82, he got his first iPhone and, and, and like day one I was teaching him to make a phone call and, and two weeks later he was he was telling me that well I just checked checked the weather and uh, and the sea level predictions for uh, my summer house. I was like, okay, this was the same guy who two weeks before I was teaching him how to use the phone and now he was diving into apps and everything. And it was just like he felt he felt at ease with that because he had that home button. So if everything, if, if he ended up somewhere where he didn't know where he was, there was always the home button to sort of bring him back and then he could start over. And I think that ideology um, is what we need to bring into even really, really complex technology that it shouldn't be put on the user. The user should have the, <laughs> you can say, that home button feeling uh, and, and and be be comfortable in exploring and go and trying things out, and uh, and it should be, I mean, you, you, should, you should you should be able to expect that from solution providers to say, well, make it easy for me. I don't care about how advanced it is. I don't care about machine learning and AI and everything. Just make me better at my job.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. That's um, you know that goes back to uh, I believe and I'm not as well-versed in it as I maybe I want to be, but design thinking, which is like, how do I make the make whatever my solution is easy for the cus- consumer, the customer, the end user to take advantage of? And as opposed to like me worrying about them and making them learn something because it's beneficial to me, flipping it around and going, well, if I'm on the other end of this, how do I make it easy for you? And, it, you know, and I think that's wise. Now, knowing that a lot of people maybe are like big data, big data, big data. Yeah. And I, will, I always like to leave people with some actionable steps in these podcasts. So what would be like three, maybe one or two, maybe three steps that you would tell people that they could take right now to start to um, better understand the data that they have, to start making more intelligent insights um, based on it, and maybe taking some actions that's going to that are, generate some revenue for them?
1: I tend to hear a lot of organizations say oh oh we are not ready so um so we'll let's let's talk in a year or two um which I think is which is fair enough I, I just for me you need to already now you you need to understand that every this is coming I mean there these you can say how these tools will support your organization this is the The gap is widening so much. So at sometimes you just you just need to take it in because it's it it has such a huge impact on your organization. So what I would do is go over your uh, your platforms. Uh, say, well, maybe you're looking. Maybe you're using a I don't know a, a very small ticketing system. Maybe you're using an email campaign tool that you know is really not up to par. Um, so. If you, even if you're not making a plan to to get uh, into really advanced analytics and, and AI, um, at least take the first steps in in um, identifying if you'll have elements that will block you later on. Because it's, it's extremely frustrating when you come to the point where you have the organization ready, and then you go, oh, we just discovered that... Uh, the email campaign tool that we're using, uh, we'll have to re-platform uh, all of that before, or we'll have to change ticketing system, or we'll have to change some some key infrastructure in the venue. I don't know what it might be, but that is just that is extremely frustrating. So so make sort of go through your lists uh, of systems and and just have a critical um, critical look. To see if if you're using modern, flexible platforms, that that would be one. And then, then I tend to go and say, um, do try to involve the organization. I mean, you you can you can easily. Uh, there's a lot of these things. I mean, so we we work at at making it extremely easy to to spot opportunities and, and spot individual customer moments um at scale but you can say try to sort of as you said dip your toes is just maybe about teaching your organizations to look at some key metrics of data so sort of bring it into your conversation with the team bring it into the uh monthly or the weekly meetings uh, just go through a few metrics that are interesting to continuously work on. Um.
0: And let me, can I jump in on this one because this one's interesting to me because we talk about gaining buy-in up and down the organization, which I think is important. And the example you used of using meaningful metrics for people. Mm-hmm. One of the stories you related to me that I think would be helpful for everybody here is how we talked about um, a, the, a theater and I forget which theater it was, but how you were able to pinpoint, you know, using some, um, I think we I call it target spotting specific customers or specific locations to identify people who were visiting this theater over and over again, and that if you had just looked at it, the data from a high level or an undifferentiated vantage point, you would have missed this person. But it was a and you were able to generate. Um, Several new sales and like a lot of new interactions with this customer just because of using the data a little more wisely And I think the both of these examples you use used kind of highlight that I, and if you could just spend a second or two um, Going over that story with everybody. I think it would be valuable for them.
1: Yeah, so a bit of context would be that say okay, so as I said historically uh, the way that you consume data in an organization would be to look at reports and look at dashboards they sort of have the inherent weakness that A, you have to be looking at them, and B, you have to notice the things that you should notice, and C, it's extremely hard to see individual data points that might be potentially extremely powerful or extremely uh, valuable. So um, what we do on a customer level is – and this is, again – Coming back to technology, this is not advanced. It's, it just, Im- it just in- involves a lot of data. So in that respect, it's, it's advanced, but it's, it's just looking for different patterns. So for instance, it will, it will point, point out if you have opportunities with spe- special customers. It might be, hey, so one of your high-level, uh, high-value customers that was previously a very regular attendee, but now hasn't been here for 14 months is coming back on Saturday I mean that is potentially a moment where you can make such a huge impact on that customer relationship if that customer comes back after 14 months and finds a small note on the seat um, to say welcome back we're happy to have you I mean it doesn't cost you uh, it doesn't cost you anything except for a few minutes but it can potentially be the difference between a person coming back and be a semi loyal customer and being a full-blown ambassador mm-hmm. saying i can't believe how this venue treats me um or it could be uh we even have an observation that is named from my mom um named after my mom so she's, she's um she spends uh most of my uh, potential inheritance uh, traveling around europe and going to to the big opera houses um so so we, we named an observation, um, the repeat traveler. So if the Royal opera house in London and I've, and I've, I've gone over this with that. I said, well, our system would point out to say, okay, so Martin's mom, it wouldn't say Martin's mom, but, uh, is coming back. Is coming back next Saturday and she's been here last year and she's been here in 2016 and she's, Um, And she's a single traveler. So she's just bought a a single ticket. I mean, again, and she's coming from Denmark. So if you point those things out, again, if you leave her a note on the seat saying, Hi, Michaela, we're glad to have you back. Here's a voucher for a a glass of wine and and intermission. uh, We're happy you enjoy the operas that we put on. I mean, that means that it, it, it would mean the world to her there's obviously an affiliation between your venue and that specific customer who's over and over again choosing to travel far to come to your venue and if you acknowledge that i mean basically customer moments is about showing people that you see them and showing them that you actually care it and you don't have to splash money at it it's yeah so
0: no oh, that's that's a great example because I mean, that's so meaningful and it's so powerful because, my God, if you, you know, with the the person who came back after 14 months, not only are you saying you're happy to see them, you can be like, well, where have you been? Has everything been okay? So then you can show empathy and concern for them. And the same with your the case of the example of your mother, right? She's going to love that note. She's probably going to put that in some sort of uh, – Uh, keepsake area right just because it's like probably so abnormal to get something like this and the glass of wine cost you what a dollar if that
1: yeah exactly and i mean and and you you, what you're saying is that you might keep it put it in a keepsake i would say what what tends to happen is that people pull out their phone and take a photograph and they post that everywhere and uh hashtag great customer experience and 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 they will tend to go back and they will say you can't I mean, they'll tell their friends and go like, you won't believe what happened on Saturday. I was going to this theater, the so-and-so. So, so, and those recommendations are, as you know, I mean, they're just so much more powerful than any digital campaign that you can put out there. Um, So, and on the point of that, I would say, we're also doing observations on, on things not happening, which, as you can imagine, is very, very hard to see in a dashboard. So just pointing out that, hey, one of your high value customers who is who's been here like once every two or three months has suddenly not bought a ticket for nine months. So that that observation that something is not happening in your data, but again, you can show concern, you can reach out, you can say, Hey, it's been a while. Is there something which you know? I mean, they they could have just had twins, which which means that you'll we'll see them again in a few years. Uh, but but it's just showing that you notice and showing that you care. All right. And by the same
0: token, maybe they did have twins or maybe something's gone wrong. And then that gives you a chance to like, you know, it it is, it's both marketing, but it's also just humanity. Mm -hmm. Send them something, right? Like if they're, they're going through a tough time, maybe you just send them a handwritten note and go, you know, like we're thinking of you, you know, if there's something we can do to help, you know, we're here for you or whatever. I mean, I know it sounds like, Oh, it's total bull, but I think that's, what's missing so much in so many of our business interactions is the humanity and the empathy and the concern for others. And what you're telling me is that we've moved so far with our data that we can actually um, create these defining moments, these sort of, um, you know, highly personalized, highly meaningful moments.
1: Yeah. I mean, I read a story on, um, it was the Amundsen theater. Um, They put on a production called Fun Home and they noticed that, it was a very successful production and they had, they noticed uh, that people were coming back to see it a second time. Uh, So they decided to make something of that. Um, and, and they, so every time they noticed that someone was coming back to see it a second time, they would put the booklet uh, that the play was based on and a small note from the artistic director or something on the seat saying, we're so happy that you enjoy the production just as much as we do. Um, small thing. It cost them a few dollars to do, but I mean, they would receive, they received handwritten letters. So just saying, saying, well, my husband and I have been going to the theater for 22 years. We've never ever experienced something like this. So just, just, it was so simple, but it was so powerful. And that just speaks to exactly what you're saying. Like people don't expect this. I mean, we expect to get an automated, uh, pre-event mail saying uh, we're happy to see you tomorrow. Uh, the parking can be uh, uh, a, a bit tricky, or we hope that you enjoyed the event yesterday. Here's a survey. I mean, so we don't expect those moments, and and I mean, I think that's both there's the individual who experiences uh, that moment will obviously go home, look through the program, and see can I come back to the theater. They'll also tell their friends um, about that. And the third bit, and I think that's uh, also a bit overlooked. I mean, the artistic director on the Friday morning meeting in that theater will have a fantastic story. We'll read out that letter and remind the organization why we're doing what we're doing. So we're working in live entertainment. We're working on delivering exceptional experiences. And guess what? We just did that by noticing one of our key customers.
0: Yeah, that uh, reminds me of the variety. Or it's now the Capital One Arena here in, in Washington D.C. And uh, recently, I was at the box office uh, getting a Mother's Day present for my for my wife, and um, there is a sign that is in the window or behind the behind the desk, right? And it says, "For," and I'm probably not quoting it accurately, but it says something to the effect of "to this." for some person this is their first interaction with the building or something to that effect. Yes. And it's very valid And because like when I went to get the tickets for this U2 concert, just because I happened to be right there, uh, the lady couldn't have been better. She was in, so helpful and so nice to me. Um, you know, and I'm not like a, um, you know, a, a novice ticket buyer no. or somebody who doesn't know what's going on. Uh, so it was like so refreshing. And uh, and that's exactly what this example highlights is the fact that these little touch points these little things matter because most of the time when we're in the business of uh, creating fun for others or uh, experience for others, it's the little things that matter as much as the big things. And sometimes we think it's always the big thing, but it's really it's the pe- reason people come out to our venues or come to see shows or events or whatever is because of the connection of the people around them and because of the entire experience not just one particular thing sure you might be drawn out by the opera or the you know a pearl jam concert or a u2 concert or a basketball or hockey game but the thing is is like it's everything about the experience because even if the game's great and it's miserable going to the game you're not going to go Mm -hmm. or if it's miserable to go to the concert you're likely going to think about something else the next time Uh, you know that's just been always been my take on it
1: yeah yeah, no. because that way, I, I mean, you're just a venue, or you're just a theater, or you're just a stadium. If you stand out, I mean, you, you would know this. Also, I mean, how how do you pick? How do people pick their their uh, regular restaurant? Is it because the food is actually great? Is, is it or is it because it's they say hi, Dave when you walk in the door? I mean, that's yeah. that's what you're looking for. You're, you're looking for uh, something that goes beyond what's on the plate, right?
0: that's exactly right. I mean, that, that, and that's another great example, because if you're nice to my son who, who's eight, then you have won my business because you know, he, we like try to, we try to teach him to have responsibility and to engage with the people around him. So if the staff at your restaurant is engaging and warm and treats him with respect, then you, you've, I've, you've won me over. And, and it's the same with all of these examples that we've used. Um, now, before we go, where can I point people to? Where can I send people so that they can keep in touch with you or find out more?
1: Yeah, so I uh, I'm from a company called Activity Stream. Uh, so we do this for uh, live entertainment venues, theaters, uh, organizations. We do this for sports clubs. Um, so I'm I'm happy to take any email from uh, anyone listening into this, or uh, have people come to activitystream.com and send us um, send us a note. And I'll be happy to jump on a meeting.
0: And your email address is mg at That's right. Well, it's like the old phone numbers. It's like one of the ones I really remember. Maybe I email you too much. <laughs> <laughs> you might be, yeah. well, well, Martin, thank you for being on the Business Fun Podcast. Um, I, I really learned a lot, and it's always great to
1: talk to you. So thank you for being on. It was, uh, I was happy to, uh, happy to uh, have the discussion. Always, uh, always a pleasure. I'd like to thank our guest again,
0: Martin Gameltoff from Activity Stream. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes. If you'd want to contact me, you can hit me up on Twitter at David Wakeman, or you can email me, dave at davewakeman.com. And I hope to see you again soon.